All right, we are back with another episode of the Clinch Perfect Podcast, um, episode 21, I believe. I'm Ben, as always, joined by Tom. How have you been, my friend? Hello, hello, hello. I'm, you know, I watched this UFC card, right? And I thought I'd fall asleep about halfway through. And I don't know what happened, but I just got really sucked into it. And I felt like I had, like, I don't know, prick sticks in my eyes or something or, like, chopstick you know when you like trying to rise <laughs> the open. gif with the chopsticks holding the eyes yeah open. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i felt like um, yeah, it was no, a great, great card man. it was a great card um what about you what have you been up to this week oh same old same old work um i went kayaking yesterday that was pretty fun um, I did, that's awesome although i've got a problem with my shoulder at the moment i did something at the gym a few weeks ago and um fucking out on the on the way back and on the kayaking on the way back we were going um, against the current and against the wind and my shoulder was killing me um I, I don't it's not so I do regularly it was like a you know a fun day out kind of thing and um there were people there that were literally you know just like families with little kids that on the way back were doing better than me because like so my shoulder was absolutely killing me and uh but yeah it was fun um it was fun so uh yeah good card this weekend wasn't it oh but it was one of those weird ones where you kind of like you knew it was going to be a sleeper right and then like the first fight happens and you're like, oh, this, this is fun. By the time you get to the main card, you're kind of really sucked in and like absorb it. Like, it's one of the, I feel like it's one of those cards where you actually watch every minute of every fight. Like, there are some cards where you're like, oh, like, I'll close my eyes for a brief second and kind of, I know this is going to be a <laughs> Americans decision. have no idea what we're talking about no. right now. But when you're a European fan, there's certain fights on the main card. When it's like half three, you just think, oh, I'll just... I'll just take a nap just for like the first round of this one and then I'll be geared up for the next fight. <laughs> and I'll wake up <laughs> when it's a decision. <laughs> yeah, I'll wake up for the uh, for the terrible decision. We had some uh, some interesting judging, that's for sure. A lot of people uh, crying bloody murder about the judging. And to be honest, there was only one that I massively disagree with. The main event, I had it for Sanhagen. I had it 48-47 and I rewatched it on Sunday morning sober and had it 48-47 again. But it was like close enough that I'm not raging about it or screaming robbery, um, partially because I won money on TJ. But also, I just don't think it was a robbery. I just think it was a close fight that they got wrong. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, issues with TJ aside, I think it was very, it was like a knife edge. I, I think throughout the entire fight, it was finely balanced. I didn't think there was a moment where one fighter was necessarily in the ascendancy. Yeah. Um, even in the first one, actually, when, you know, when he, well, we'll talk more about Sandhagen's spinning ridiculousness later, but, you know, he went for that flying knee and then TJ took him down and started like trying to ground and pound. Yeah. I think he, I can't remember who was on comms. I think it was DC was like going like, oh, he's like, you know, he's usually like going crazy. And but if it was someone actually... stupidly exaggerating something that wasn't yeah. actually happening, then you can safely assume it was DC. Yeah. And then if you actually rewind the clip and you look back, TJ's landed like three punches out of like 50 and Sandhagen then goes on and wrenches his knee. I think it's that actual fight sequence. Where there was a great like, moment like that in the um, the Eubanks and Elise Reed fight where you just before the finishing sequence, just before she actually landed the elbows at finish, she missed like four or five elbows. And I don't think he was trying to be sarcastic, but it sounded really condescending. Dominic Cruz went, ooh, so close. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> killed me. Go back and watch it and you'll see what I mean. She like had the, well, I won't say easy because she would beat me up, but um, she had, you know, elbows there, you know, ready ready to go. And she just missed like five in a row, just like elbowing the canvas while Elise Reed was sat there, you know, ready to be finished. And um, yeah, Cruz literally went, ooh, so close. It was, it was killing me. I rewound and watched it like three times. It was so funny. I quite um, enjoyed that that part. You know, I, I think it was like halfway through the card where DC was having that beef with that guy on Twitter. 
But the guy kept on like, like yeah. I, I think I, I have a bone to pick with that, to be honest. Yeah. What the fuck are <laughs> you talking on. about? And I saw, I actually went on the guy's Twitter. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, you know, the tweets come up on the screen from fans and from media members. And someone tweeted after the first two rounds that they had it 1919 with uh, the Soriano and Brendan Allen fight. And DC flipped out. He was like, what is this guy talking about? He was like, you know, you're a fan. I'm a, I'm a fighter. You know, why don't you let me judge the fights or something? You know, he said some obnoxious shit like that. And the first round was so close. Like, okay, I, I can understand you having it 2018, Alan. I personally had it 1919 after two, but I can completely see Alan winning the first round. But I've got the, the stats here in front of me. Soriano landed 28 out of 57 significant strikes. Brendan Allen landed 28 out of 62. They literally had the same amount of significant strikes. And Soriano landed more to the head. And you, you, know, you know how Soriano is early in fights. He was doing the bigger damage and the bigger power. So, you know, yes, you could give the, the first round to Allen. But like you say, the way DC acted like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, what an idiot. Um, and yeah, the, the guy after that, the guy tweeted like, oh, thanks, DC. And I went on the guy's <laughs> Twitter and there were like 50 replies all saying what I've just said, which is that round was ridiculously close. What the hell is DC talking about? Um, yeah. Besides that, should we get into some news before we actually go on to uh, the Sanhagen and Dillashaw card? Yeah, let's go. What we got? What we got first? Well, we got literally, I think just last night or, or this morning, we saw um, the news that Kamar Usman has finally got his next fight booked. Well, I say finally, he's super active. I don't know why I said finally. Um, but finally, the fight that people have been waiting for, I think, is what I meant to say. Um, Colby Covington, UFC 268 in November. They're saying it's probably going to be Madison Square Garden in New York. And um, I think we we both sneakily agree that we would rather Leon Edwards have this fight, but it's no surprise at all that it's Colby, is it? No, I mean, it's no surprise given their history. But from a competitive standpoint, I am not in the slightest. I've seen some ridiculous outtakes on. I, I don't want to give a prediction too early because obviously it's months away. Yeah. But I've seen some ridiculous hot takes on Twitter of people trying to convince themselves that the rematch will be as close as the first fight. Mm-hmm. We've seen Colby beat a washed Woodley. Well, Colby, and- I got a good stat for you here. Colby doesn't have any wins against a current ranked welterweight. None Which of the top crazy. 15 welterweights Colby has beat. Do I, I don't understand why he didn't fight a Chiesa or something first. If you think about it, he's, what, mm-hmm. he's had two, one, one or two fights since the Usman first fight, I think. I think it's two. I think he's had two fights, hasn't he? He's had uh, the... I think it's just Woodley. Is it just... Okay, there we go. So he's literally just beat a washed up Woodley. Yeah. And now he's going back in there. 10 rounds in a row before that fight. Yeah, and he is getting thrown back in there with Usman, who has just demolished Gilbert Burns, and in a rematch, completely annihilated Jorge Masvidal. Like, well, demolished if, two different kinds of threat there, hasn't he? Like, that's what's yeah, so impressive exactly. about it. It's not this. He's not fighting two strikers or two grapplers. He's and fought one of each and destroyed them both in completely different ways as well. As you mm-hmm. say, like it, it, it almost the way he finished Burns was completely different to the way he finished Masvidal. Masvidal was essentially one punch. And if you think about it, Masvidal's never been, I mean, I think he's been TKO'd, but he's never been knocked out before. No, and he Masvidal's was never gone sleep like that. Like, I, I just, I just don't think it's going to be as close as everyone's making it out to be. And I, maybe it's my British bias in me, but Leon's been an absolute tear. Uh, yeah, there was that little scare against Nate Diaz, but he was literally cruising like, five rounds don't get me started on that i've seen that's all come up again i ranted about it at the time that we talked about that fight 
Um, it's all it's all on Twitter again, you know, with people saying that Leon should have the shot over Colby. And then the replies are always, oh, what, Leon, that got wobbled by a lightweight? Should watch any time a fighter gets wobbled, we should count that as a loss. So tied to Ivasa, lost to Greg Hardy then. Like, it's, the, it's the, just thinking of the most recent example. It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And um, yeah, if anyone's listening to this podcast who says that shit, you can you know piss off and listen to another podcast for all I care. Um, apparently, Gilbert Burns wants, wants Leon in, in the co-main, um, calling happening. out for a five-rounder. You don't think that's going to happen? No. Why would Leon take that fight? It's but, da- oh, yeah, it's dangerous, isn't it? Uh, but also... Burns has just come off a really, really boring fight with um, Wonderboy. Like, Dana wasn't impressed with that at all. Mm-hmm. Burns is like two or three fights away from fighting for the title again. Like, period. Purely because of the reaction. And I, I, I think he's kind of rubbed Dana up the wrong way with what he's been saying in the media and everything after the fight. Well, it's Ali, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, but also, I mean, it's Burns himself. In these interviews, mm-hmm. like, I, I, why I wouldn't be saying that about my boss. Like, why would you go out publicly and be, basically publicly disagree with him and say like, oh, it's not always about the finish or whatever? The UFC is literally built on finishes. You think of the most viral moments in UFC history: Vitor Belfort being front kicked in the face by Anderson Silva. Like, that's probably the most iconic moment in UFC history, right? Yeah, I think I, I don't know. Masvidal on Askren. Yeah, exactly. Buckley like, on Impa. It, it doesn't really sit well. With, uh, with the UFC brass, if you're just basically saying, oh yeah, I was quite happy with a boring decision, which I mean, all he did was just ragdoll Wonderboy and he got wobbled. Like, that, it doesn't really make much sense for Leon to fight backwards in a way because I think... Leon's ahead higher... of him in the queue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like... And uh, someone else who's been calling for a title shot is uh, the great Stipe Miocic. Um, we all love Stipe, <laughs> but... Um, I'm not sure I agree with his latest comment. I've got the comment here for you. He said, uh, I shouldn't have to wait for a winner, talking about, um, I think, the the interim belt, or I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Actually, he might be talking about Francis next fight. Um, I have the most heavyweight title defense of all time. We're one and one, talking about Francis. But DC got instant rematches and trilogies against me. Um, the difference there, Stipe, is this, that DC got an instant rematch on the stipulation that Stipe had gotten an instant rematch before that. Um after DC beat Stipe, Stipe immediately got a rematch, and then DC immediately got a rematch. After Stipe beat Francis, Francis went away, built himself back up, got better, improved, knocked out, what, three people, and, th- and then got his shot again. So it's not really comparable, and I think we both agree we don't really want to see Stipe die because we like him too much. <laughs> I just think the way that Francis has adapted, it again, Stipe to me is the heavyweight GOAT, He's the greatest heavyweight of all time. I mean, maybe you could argue Fedor, but for me, it is Stipe. I, I just, I, I'm like, you have no interest in seeing him get back in there with Francis within the next year. He, he needs to, and it sounds crazy because obviously he's getting older and maybe his, his heart isn't quite in it and he's, he, he's potentially wanting to get back his title or whatever, whatever. It, it's wrong for him to assume that he can immediately get back in there with Francis when he didn't give Francis that opportunity. And I know it's crazy because they were at different points in their career. Francis wasn't a former yeah. champion or anything, but uh, it's built on respect. And I just think he's going about it the wrong way. Like he's sat on the sidelines ever since he's been starched. Yeah. And he's been quiet as well. It's not like he yeah. immediately said after the fight, Oh, I got caught, but you know, give me another shot. Um, he went quiet and now he's got, it's weird that he's calling for it now. And I think, you know, it, Comments, comments like this only resonate with like the really hardcore MMA fans. Do you know what I mean? Like r- casual fans that, you know, 
buy pay-per-views and you know hype up fights on social media aren't reading these comments that the way they would see his comments is if he went and had another fight knocked someone out and then said i want francis you know th- those moments after the you know after a, a, a win when he's on the mic that would go you know viral and whatever and, and, and get him the fight but um yes yeah, a bit of a weird way to go about it um one fight that i think is getting made according to an Italian chef that told Michael Bisping, um, is Marvin Vittori versus Paolo Costa. Uh, Bisping on his podcast claimed that he goes to an Italian restaurant that Vittori goes to, and the owner told him Vittori has a fight booked with with Paolo Costa. So um, not sure when that'll be, but um, certainly an interesting one. And I think a very winnable fight for Costa to get back to that title shot. That is a banger. Like, the I trash talk is going to be hilarious. I'm not quite sure it'll get... I don't think it would quite get Costa into the title picture just because the way Adesanya dealt with him so convincingly. And he yeah, the, the, the humping at the end as well, adding insult to injury. <laughs> yeah. That just really like violates the point where yeah, he needs to like really tear someone to shreds in order to show that he deserves a shot again. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I kind of thought Costa quit anyway. Like, Izzy isn't really renowned for. His, I mean, this is a completely different conversation, obviously, but it, it, with that fight. Izzy isn't known for punch power. Kind of just looked like he clipped him and then he just kind of cowered up and didn't really know what to do. Like, it wasn't necessarily a series of concussive blows. It was just like one quick shot. Yeah, just one caught him on the temple, didn't it? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that is a banger of a fight. Yeah, and I can't wait for the build-up for it as well. Like, because neither of them really make any sense (laughs) when they speak. (laughs) I think that's fair to say. So, um... Yeah, they're both trying to insult each other. It'll be uh, would be pretty hilarious. Um, I wonder if Vittori will get it. Like you know, when Vittori gets really mad, <laughs> I wonder how Costa will react. Like because he gets really intense. The stare, I'll tell you what, the face off is going to be fantastic. Yeah, they're both going to be like surely a contender for like <laughs> face off of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what have we got next? What else is on? The last thing, the last thing we've got on our interesting news for this week is that Bellator might have a more exciting card than the UFC this week for the first time ever. What, is, what has <laughs> happened to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd be unhappy about this. Um, obviously, we've got the Pitbull and AJ McKee card coming up um, for Bellator this weekend. And we'll talk about it later, but the UFC card this weekend is um, is falling apart a little bit. It wasn't great to begin with, and it's falling apart. So um, what do you give me your give me your early prediction? Well, it's not that early. Prediction for, uh, for Pitbull and AJ McKee. Right. So I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence here. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I I really want AJ McKee to win because I think he's a future star. And I, I really like the... I really like the... um. In a weird way, it's kind of like a Habib and his father. Like, although, although they... they I mean, the trash talk is out the window. Like, they just run their mouths all the time. But AJ McKee and his father have like a really close relationship. And AJ McKee's father is also a former fighter. In fact, I think they fought on the same card at one point um, early on in AJ's career. And it would yeah. just be so poetic if he won a belt in the same promotion like it, it would just be really really cool but Pitbull was no joke man like the guy is a killer he's fought the best of the best he's beat Michael Chandler um, as I say he has fought some of the best 145 pounders on the planet do I think either of these are the best 145 pounders on the planet no I think Volk smokes them both but I do think it's a brilliant title fight I think the way Bellator are billing it as well, they're kind of just letting the fight speak for itself. Like the, the animosity between the two of them. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw the the press conference, but they were kind of neat. There's a little bit of needle, and it was just built really, really well. Um, 
Pitbull, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he trains with um, Cejudo's coach. I can't remember his name. Eric Albakarin. Is that? I think that's how he pronounced it. Um, but yeah, he's just, so he trains there. I think he's also trained at Kings before. Um, again, very well-rounded fighter. But AJ has some of the craziest submissions. I mean, he invents his own submissions. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it, but like, I think it was his previous fight where he just pulled basically his ridiculous submission out of his backside. And it was like, how are you doing that? It's like a rabbit out of the hat kind of thing. It was crazy. I think it'll be very wild. I don't see it going the distance. I, I mean... If Come on, give me a prediction. Man, Get off the fence, mate. Give me a prediction. If you're, if you're a betting man, you have to lean Pitbull. But I think we could see something special from AJ McKee. He just oozes confidence. I think um, I think McKee will look better early and Pitbull will take over late and, and get a late finish or a decision win. That's my prediction. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see Pitbull just grinding him down. A um, couple other interesting things on that card. Usman Namagamadov, um, 12-0, with the uh, the biggest expectations name in MMA history. <laughs> when, when your first name is Usman and your second name is Namagamadov, you better be fucking good. And he is. Um, he's 12-0. No he's, um, he's fighting Manny Muro, who's 12-6. and six, So um, Namagamadov is obviously a huge favorite there again and be excited to see how he gets on. Um, the one I'm really interested in on the, on the undercard, actually, is Hassan, Ma- uh, Hassan Megamadshirov. Bloody hell. Magomed Sharipov. Couldn't have messed that up any worse if I tried. Um, he's 20 years old. He's the beat's younger brother. And he's 5-0. and I think he's got three submission wins or something. Um, really interested to see how he gets on. He's got a short notice replacement because his original opponent dropped out. Um, and I think the guy's only like 3-4 and four or something. So, um, yeah. You know, don't know much about um, the, the younger Magomed Sharipov. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that one. And... Um, hey. He's very good. Like in his second fight, he beat a guy who was five and one. So that's mm-hmm. that was his second professional. It was just kind of crazy. Um, I think unlike Zabit, he's a little bit. He's he's a little less wild. He's a bit more like calculated with his um, attacks. But I think Zabit will be in his corner anyway, which will be interesting because we haven't we literally haven't had a peep from Zabit. So I wonder if any um, uh, any MMA journalist out there try and corner him. Ask him. Find the beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like where's Wally? Wally? Where's the beat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great minds. Um, but looking further down the line, we've got uh, a date for MVP against Douglas Lima too. Um, that'll right. be in London at the start of October. Can uh, I start a rant here? Have you seen what it's been? I was going to message you this a screenshot. They're billing it as the biggest rematch. That's it. They're just billing it as the biggest. Re- Are they forgetting what is happening this year? A certain Wilder versus Fury three, like a trilogy fights a rematch. I mean, McGregor Poirier three. We've just had like Francis Francis and Stipe. That happened in this Mate, year. Like, Michael oh. Venom Page fighting a decent fighter is huge news. Be fair. It'll be <laughs> even bigger when he gets sparked again. It's so rare. <laughs> It's so rare. Michael Venom Page fighting someone who's actually good is uh, is a pretty unique thing. So I think we need to appreciate it for how special it is. But um, yeah, that's at the start of October. Um, should we crack on with the with the UFC? Yeah, go on. What what what, what are we going to dissect first? Well, I guess the the main event this week. Um, as as we know, I uh, I gave the betting tip of to bet on TJ as an underdog last week, and I think you can clearly see that that was a brilliant call and uh, there was no controversy with the decision whatsoever and I'm a genius <laughs> we'll take it <laughs> we'll take it um yeah I think you know I think most people had it how I had it which was TJ winning one and three and Sanhagen winning two and four going into the and fifth five. 
And then <laughs> Sanhagen looked a lot better in the fifth round. Um, I think the strikes were pretty even in the fifth round, like almost dead on. But uh, Sanhagen, you know, clearly was the fresher fighter and, and you know, doing more damage and was more effective with his striking. So, um, yeah, I think we're pretty much in agreement that it should have been two, four, and five for Sanhagen and a 48-47 win. Um, that said, whatever you think of TJ, you know, as a person, he looked fucking incredible considering he's had two years off. I mean, Dominic Cruz aside, most people don't come back from two years off and look better or as good as they were before. I'm not saying he looked better than he did before, but I'd say as good as fair. Um, you know, Sanhagen is such a tricky customer and so unorthodox. And yes, he won a lot of the exchanges on the feet, but TJ held his own and, you know, dealt with some adversity as well with the cut on his eye and, and the problem with his knee. So yeah, whatever you, whatever you think of TJ, you got to give him credit. And um, I'm very excited for, for whatever he has next. Yeah, I mean, personal issues with doping or whatever aside, there's no denying that cage rust is not a thing at all. <laughs> um he, he looked like well, it's, it's a mental thing, isn't it? More than anything. Yeah, as you say, it's a mental block. Uh, but do you know what made me laugh? The, the the thing that probably pleased me the most was the fact that Cruz was commenting on the entire fight. There was actually yeah, I thought Cruz did a good job actually. Um, oh mate, there I've often criticised Cruz's commentary, but I thought he did pretty well to remain, you know, fairly objective and um, fairly objective impartial. until he went. Yeah, the, the 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 in reference to Dillashaw's corner, I think he literally said word for word. And they know their fighter isn't going to gas going into the late rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Read that's an interesting problem. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought he did a good job. To be fair, um, what do you, what do you think's next for TJ now? Because I have a I have a matchup in mind. I don't think he should just get a shot at the belt. You know, just sit on the sidelines and wait for the belt. And he said himself, to be fair, after the fight, he was like, "I'll fight for the title if you want me to, but if not, give me someone else." I think we're going to both be in agreement. Uh, a certain uh, cartel mafia member. Um, that's right that's right yep. Fob Ron, as Sean O'Malley <laughs> called him um, <laughs> Rob Font I think wouldn't make the same mistakes that Sanhagen did that we're going to talk about in a little bit and um, yeah that's a fight I'd love to see and I think that's the perfect number one contender shout um, I think the only questionable thing you could have over Rob Font getting a title shot is he's not really known in the mainstream yet like Cody's the only mainstream known name that he's beat um, but if he adds TJ to the ledger, then um, you know you, you literally can't deny that he's next in line. So likewise with TJ, if he wins, then he can't deny him. So I think it's the perfect fight to make, isn't it? I, I am in complete agreement with everything you've just said, again, a first on this podcast. Um, I think, yeah. I think, I think the way he it looks can't against... can't be again Cody. a first, mate. It's got <laughs> to be a second on the podcast. Okay, a second. <laughs> I, think, I think against, against Garbrandt, Font kind of took his performance to the next level. Like he, he really asserted himself in the bantamweight rankings with that performance. And I think, as you say, getting someone like Dillashaw, I, I would fancy. I mean, it's, uh, maybe it's a bit outlandish, and maybe it's me being a bit hot-headed, but I would fancy Font to put him away. So would I. Purely, so would the, I. purely because of the damage that TJ's absorbed. Like. And I Font hits some... like a truck. I think Font has exactly. the heaviest hands in the division and pound for pound, some of the heaviest hands on the entire UFC roster. The guy's jab, I've called it the concrete jab before. The guy's jab is insane. And everyone talks about the the cut that TJ had above his eye. That's what, Everyone's saying, like, oh, it's from tra-. it is from training, but that's also a heck of a lot of scar tissue. Don't yeah. forget, that was what, like 
five weeks ago. No, it was more than that. It was like two months ago that he sustained that cut. It was a long time ago. He tweeted out or Instagram, whatever. Yeah. Um, For that to reopen so quickly. Like, if you as you say, imagine sledgehammers from Font. You just tear that apart. Well, like, and I just think Font doesn't. Font would just keep his range a little bit better than Sanhagen. Um, use his jab, yeah. Yeah, he, w- he would rely on that jab and, and he would just use it to keep TJ at bay, whereas Sanhagen kind of allowed TJ with with some of his own game planning to, uh, to you know, close the distance and, and, you know, make it a fight that TJ wants to fight, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But yeah, in, in terms of Sanhagen, I'm looking at Dominic Cruz. Cruz is coming off a win, a little bit below him in the rankings. Sanhagen coming off a loss. It's probably a bit harsh on Sanhagen because he might've been within his rights to not even fight TJ and just wait for a title shot. Um, but I just, it would just be such a fun fight. Like the striking exchanges would be so much fun. I just want to see that. So apparently according to Brendan Hoffman, um, Cruz has a fight booked. He didn't Interesting. tell me who, But if we look at the rankings, as Frankie Edgar, I've always wanted to see Dominic Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. That'd be a hell of a fight. I can fight. tell you right now, I've got him in front of me who doesn't have a fight. Um, Aldo, Edgar. Font. Aldo's fighting Munoz. Marais so is fighting Mayrab. So, so it really is only Edgar or, Edgar or Cody Garbrandt. Is Marais, Marais is fighting Mayrab Davashili. Uh, Sorry for messing that name up. That's so the one name Frankie, I can never say. So it's, we've, we've just worked it out. It's Frankie Edgar. It's got to be Frankie, possibly Cody, but got to be Frankie. Well, Cody's, got, Cody's going, his T's going down, hasn't he? So it will be. So if it is Edgar, the winner of that fight would make perfect sense for Sandegan because it's a legend. Yeah, 100%. And to be honest, I would love to see Cruz versus Sandhagen because I'm fed up with all these Cruz and Sandhagen comparisons. They're not even close. Like, yeah, don't but get, they're, they're don't... both, I mean, they're unique, but they're both, um, they are both so unorthodox, aren't they, in, in, in their style? So it, but, it would be really Cruz interesting to put them in there together. In the sense that he also doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, Sandhagen's I mean, a little flashier, right? Yeah. And I think Cruz is a bit more, like, gains street smart. Cruz mm-hmm. knows how to win a fight. I think Sandhagen kind of thinks he's winning and then takes his foot off the gas. If you look at Cruz's fights, I mean, other than against Cody, and I'm not even going to mention the pseudo fight because to me that doesn't count. Guy was coming off like career-ending knee injuries and whatever. He's basically a brittle skeleton. But he kind of, in all of his previous fights and whatever, like you go back to the DJ fight, even against Faber, like Cruz dictates the pace. I don't feel like against Dillashaw, Sandhagen dictated the pace really like there were moments where TJ was fighting back and was trying to push the tempo and whatever and I, th- I feel like in a way Sandhagen got sucked into his own hype a little bit in that fight like with the with all the flying stuff it just seemed like it seemed very this may maybe sound like a crazy comparison considering where they are at in their careers but it felt a little bit like a Michelle Pereira where he like kind of gap ties himself out or goes to that like insane like flying like Sandhagen in the first round went for that flying knee and ended up on the ground because TJ caught it and took him down I feel like yeah. Cruz Cruz wouldn't whilst he's unorthodox wouldn't make the same mistake because mm-hmm. he'll conserve that energy and his footwork's way too good to get him in that position anyway because he darts in and out of range so quickly one thing I was impressed by with Sandhagen though was his use of the jab I felt like he was quite good at establishing range and also his timing seemed pretty good. Like he seemed to be finding Pepper and TJ a little bit and then loading up on the on the right hand. Um, but I'll be honest, I was a I don't know about you, but I was a bit disappointed. I felt like this was kind of like Sandhagen's moment to make a bit of a statement. Like TJ's coming back after two years, 
Yeah, I think you've got to give the credit to TJ a little bit there as well, though. I know you don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone does. But um, yeah, I think you've got to give some of the credit for that, you know, to TJ, because like we say, you know, he hadn't really skipped a beat. Like, you know, it wasn't his best performance, but, you know, ever by any means, but he didn't look worse than he did two years ago. So um, yeah, I think you've got to give some credit to TJ for that as well. It did, it did kind of feel like, um, like I said, that Sanhagen was waiting for that moment to create his next highlight and, uh, you know, make it three in a row. But um you know, just maybe tried a little bit too hard for it. Um, but yeah, I think we both agree he was harshly treated on the on the scorecards and probably should have won 48-47. But like I say, I don't think it was, you know, so clear that you could make an argument for a robbery or, you know, Sanhagen oh, no, didn't really even complain that much. Um, I'll tell you who did get robbed was uh, Miranda Maverick. Or, or, or did she? <laughs> we, we both thought this was a terrible decision at first, I think. Um, but looking at the, the striking numbers and I know, you know, stats don't tell the whole story and, you know, watch the fight, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the, the controversy of a round two going for Macy, going for Macy Barber doesn't seem that absurd now that I've looked at the numbers. Um, round two, Miranda Maverick landed 15 of 38, Macy Barber landed 13 of 29. So slightly less, but at a slightly higher clip, um, five more strikes to the head and, um, just Maverick was beating up the body and the legs a little bit more. I don't think there were any takedowns in that round. Um, let me just check. Oh, Miranda Maverick did land a takedown in that round. Okay. That's, that's, uh, I didn't, I don't, she may have landed, but I don't think she did anything with it. No, she had uh, a minute and 20 of control time and Macy Barber had 55 seconds. So, you know, it wasn't a massive disparity there, but, um, yeah, I, I had Miranda Maverick winning this fight, but on reflection, I don't think it was as, you know, batshit insane. As, uh, as we all thought it was. And um, that's myself included. I, I thought it was an absolute disgrace when they read out the scorecards. But um, on reflection, I think it was just a robbery rather than like, oh, worst decision ever, <laughs> um, yeah. which I think is what people were shouting when it happened. Um, there was controversy about Piva and Kyla Phillips as well. And um, I, I just, w- without wanting to alienate any listeners, if you think Kyla Phillips won this fight, I don't know what to tell you because um, he gassed bad and he lost round two and three. Round two clearly lost. I mean, he nearly got finished in round two and round three was closer, but Piva outstruck him and did more damage. So, um, yeah, I think the best Phillips could hope for was a draw, which he, he should have got, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, to win a 10-8 round. I don't think Piva won a 10-8 at all in round two or three. No, two, two or three, I, like I say, I'm 100% certain, and I'll argue with anyone, that Piva won both of those rounds, but n- no, neither of them were that convincing, and um, round one definitely was convincing enough for Phillips to be a 10-8. Yeah, I, I, I just come back to the, the Barber bit, though. Watching that fight in real time, I felt it was a lot closer than what people were reacting to. I feel oh, like I was different. People... I, I, I was agreement with everyone watching it. I thought, like I said, it was fucking disgraceful. Um, but then, like you say, looking back at the stats now, I don't think it's actually as bad as everyone thought it was. I feel like, I feel like Maverick's very. This, this sounds weird, but she, she, she does, she, th- she does a lot, right? Like she throws a lot of volume and everything. Yeah. But she doesn't necessarily do a lot of damage, or like. She kind of like outworks herself, if that makes sense. Like she'll she'll graft and graft and graft against an opponent like Barber, but doesn't actually do an insane amount of damage or whatever, and gets as good as she gives. 
Yeah, I think the, um, the damage doesn't really stand out because she, she varies her attacks a lot, doesn't she? So, um, like, if you look at round one, she had landed five head strikes, six to the body and seven to the leg. So you don't look at the opponent and go, oh, they're all beat up because her attacks are so varied. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, you messaged me when, when we were watching the fights and said that you weren't impressed by her striking and um, the stats back that up. <laughs> her, her accuracy on head strikes is horrendous. Um, round one, five of 46. Round two, seven of 27. Round three, nine of 34. Um, you know, I know body and leg shots count as well. But um, yeah, like you say, you don't see her opponents unless she gets them down on Molesom, which was never going to happen with, with Macy Barber. Um, you don't see her opponents, you know, covered in blood and, um, you know, from, from excessive head strikes, except for Liana Jojua. <laughs> but that was, just, that was just one, you know, great shot rather than, you know, racking them up over 15 minutes. Um, what do you want next for them? Both. Next for them both. I've had a look at this and I've got uh, a few interesting ones we could do. Miranda Maverick, I would like to see fight Sajara Eubanks Ooh, because I've got to kind of like pick on someone your own size issue here with <laughs> Eubanks. Um, for those of you who don't know, Elise Reed, Eubanks' opponent on Saturday, she has fought 105 pounds in her career. And Eubanks is a former 135er and a huge 125er who's struggled to make 125 in the past. Um, she looked in great shape this time, mind you. She said she had no problems with the weight cut. But um, yeah, that was just an, like, what were they thinking <laughs> with that matchup? Eubanks, a huge 125er and fantastic grappler against a striker who has fought 105 pounds in Elise Reed. Um, but yeah, I think Eubanks versus Maverick makes sense. They've just fought on the same card, one lost, one won. And they're not that far apart in the rankings where it doesn't feel too harsh against Miranda Maverick on a, on a controversial decision to give her Sajara Eubanks. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I I, I think I, I'm in, in agreement. I, I I think as well. That's a very like taxing fight for both. I don't think either of them come out the same fighter. I think Eubanks is very. I think she's actually quite underrated. Well, I know she just bullies everyone, or everyone. <laughs> the smaller the smaller <laughs> opponents. Um, I I I'd be interested to see the grappling. That, that's what's. Uh, I know Eubanks doesn't know for her hands, but it'd be interesting to see like how she deals with the physicality because Maverick is kind of like a wrecking ball. Well, until she came up against Macy Barber, but I feel like it would be quite a, a nip and tuck kind of fight until whoever puts their foot on the gas first will win that fight for me. I, I think. Um, as for Macy, I know you're going to love who I've got for Macy. I know you're going to love this. Does it begin um, with a, a Tatiana and ends in a Suarez? <laughs> no, it's it's a little bit lower in the rankings because, you know, I, I've just said I think it was closer than people thought it was, but I still think Macy lost that fight. And I don't think it would be right to just throw her up to someone like, you know, say Tatiana beats Roxy. I don't think it would be fair to give Macy Tatiana off a fight that she probably lost. Um, Manon Furo is fighting Mario Bueno Silva soon. And if Furo beats that, she'll be 3-0. If, if Furo wins that, she'll be 3-0 in the UFC. You're a nasty man. You're and, a nasty, nasty man. <laughs> and I, like, again, like it's kind of a pick on someone your own size kind of thing here as well. Like they're, they're both, They both have like a bully fight style. You know what I mean? They both are like, when they win dominantly, it's because they just bullied the fuck out of their opponent. Um, and so I, I'd be really interested, interested to see this one. You know, Furo is probably the more technical striker. But they're both huge. They both have huge power for the for the weight class, and they're both huge. Sounded mean then. Um, I meant that as a compliment. They both have big power for the weight class, and um, 
yeah, like I say, it's probably it's probably a bit harsh in, on the rankings wise to Macy, but fuck it out. That'd just be a banger. You just want to see a, a body in the octagon. I just want to see blood, mate. I just want to see blood. Get it stitched. Yeah, I think oh, there's you're, no you're looking higher up the rankings then, are you? Yeah, I think so. I think I like she's she's 13th. And UFC love a bit of controversy, don't they? I mean Alexa Grasso, but she's fought her, I think. Is yeah, Alexa Grasso? Yeah, yeah Grasso pieced her up. I mean Jessica I. How is Jessica I eighth in the rankings? Jessica I is is forever. You can't get rid of her. Um oh, yeah, Jessica that makes sense, I. honestly. Jessica I when was did Jessica Marder. When did Jessica I win a fight? There we go. Book it. Or book her or book Jessica I versus Alexa Grasso. There we go. I don't care. I'd rule them. <laughs> three of them. Put them all in the Oscar. There we go. Um, one fight we definitely do care about on, on from both fighters' POVs is uh, Adrian Yanez and Randy Costa. It was as awesome as everyone expected it to be. Um, what did you make of the fight? Pure and utter chaos, I feel like, is the best <laughs> assessment. In fact, you messaged me going, don't blink, and I was like, okay. And then I think within the first like five minutes, we were both just going, oh my God, if this keeps it up, this is going to be like a fight of the year. Um, sadly, it didn't last all that much longer. Uh, I thought I thought Costa made a really good start, like was peppering Yanez a bit. And you could see Yanez was a bit like shook. That... I think he was a bit surprised that Costa came out so boxing heavy because he's yeah. known for his kicks, isn't he? Like I think like three or four of his finishes are by head kicks. So he did throw a couple of them. But yeah, I think Yanez was, like you say, a little bit shook by just the, you know, it was just jab, 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 wasn't it really? Yeah, but then, I mean, the finish... I don't want to say it was like an early stoppage, but to me, it kind of seemed a little bit early. Like, I, I, I was like, surely you can. <laughs> it sounds really I don't, brutal. But... I don't think it was early. I, I think Costa kind of quit a little bit. Um, not quit like in the, you know, pathetic sense, but like just knew he was beat and, and you know, decided, you know what, I'll just, out, you know, take the L yeah. and move on here. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, as if he was tapping out, but to strikes. Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, just an insane fight. And and Yanez, I know it wasn't as clean as some of his past performances, but I still think this is his best performance to date by a mile because A, he came through adversity to begin with and B, he made the adjustments as well. Do you know what I mean? Like his past fights, he's just been way better than his opponent. So it's not like he's had to make adjustments at, at any point during the fight. Um, you know, this one, he had to sort of change up what he was doing in between rounds and came out in the second round and looked the best we've ever seen him. So I'm re- really, really like even higher on Yanez after this, you know, than I was beforehand. Um, who do you think, you know, how how high do you think this will catapult him in the rankings? Who are you looking at next for him? Where is he currently ranked? I should know this. He's not. He's not in the top fifteen, but on on sites like Ranking MMA and stuff like that, he's like in the I think like mid twenties range. Um, I'm looking I mean, at Davy Grant to be honest. Yeah, that'd be. A re- I was just, I was just thinking that off the top of my head. That'd be a really, really, really fun fight. I mean, I mean, Cody Stamen's a bit too high, I think. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I think Yanis has got loads of potential, but to me at the moment, I haven't really seen anything that suggests he's going to be anything other than like a top fifteen. I don't think he's quite. I feel like he could come up quite short if he meets a striker who's like, I don't know, as or like better, like better in the clinch and better in the pocket if that makes sense yeah everything so far has been very sort of technical boxing for him i know what you mean we haven't really seen 
um, him have to mix it up that much because his boxing has looked so good. But um, hey, you know, maybe maybe he's just as good at all, at all that shit as he is uh, at boxing. He just hasn't needed to. I use mean, Paiva would be fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be a really really fun fight. Maybe like it's weird because I can't actually see him on the rankings, but. Oh, Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny versus Song Yudong. When did that get booked? What? That was a few weeks ago, I think. I mean, Ricky Simone, that'd be quite a fun fight. Yeah, Sean certainly, O'Malley. Certainly, Sean, certainly get a test for, his, uh, for how well he does against a wrestler there as well. Adrian Yanez at some point versus Sean O'Malley would be Oh, it has insane. to happen eventually. Obviously that not would... yet because O'Malley's way higher up than him in the rankings, but... Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. It has to, to happen fair, eventually. I, I would quite happily throw... Yana's in there with Timo Valiev. Again, slightly different because he's a wrestler. But I think yeah. that'd be quite a good litmus test. If actually that's probably the best. I feel like that's that's it, it, Paeva or or Valiev for me. Yeah, I think Val- Valiev is probably a good shout, actually. And um, you know, both coming off recent wins, so it makes sense. Um you'll, you'll, you'll notice how I'm avoiding Jack Shaw, because Jack Shaw <laughs> against Namagomedov. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy fight as well. Um Prelims on on Saturday had some some decent performances as well. Um, Mickey Gall looked surprisingly good. Um, his striking looked surprisingly good. Um, Julio Arce looked really good, and um, his power has definitely carried down to one thirty five. He looks like a real force there. Um, the feature prelim was, I think, what everyone and us included were excited about. There wasn't it. Um, Brendan Allen and, and Puna Soriano um, went pretty much how everyone expected it to, except Allen. Ate the shots that Soriano landed, and then uh, and then Soriano gassed as you you know as you'd expect from from a guy who's that big and that powerful. Yeah, all those um, what do they call it? What do they call those? What, what is McGregor? What does Rogan always refer to as McGregor? Fast twitch muscles. Yeah, fast twitch muscles. Yeah. Um, um, Burning yeah, oxygen weird. or whatever. We were messaging all the way through this fight, and we were like, "What the hell is what the hell is going on?" Like when did when did Alan grow a chin? Well, that's what like. yeah, that's what I was. So I said it was how we went, how we expected to go. What that's not entirely true. We expected it to be a fantastic fight, and for the striking exchanges to be crazy. But I didn't think Alan's chin would stand up to the shots. He, I mean, he Soriano caught him full power cleanly several times in the first round, and I don't think they even shook him. I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, oh, Alan's you know wobbly or whatever. Um, and I, I'm really high on Brendan now after this fight. Like, you know, he, he, he was already, you know, a prospect that we were looking out for and, and had high hopes for. But like I said last week, I was I was worried about his chin, especially against a guy like Soriano. But, um, you know, his chin held up fine and his striking looked insanely good. And we know how good he is on the mat. So I think he's only like 25, 26. Like Brendan Allen can be as, as good as he wants to be, I think, at this stage now. Yeah, I, I think... I still think he needs to like, like for instance, you, I wouldn't put him in there with a winner. It sounds crazy, but I wouldn't actually put him in there with. I know he's been calling for it. I, w- I don't want to see the Strickland fight again just because it was so conclusive. I think you can and, make a case for it if Strickland loses this weekend. Um, if Strickland wins this weekend, he's on to bigger and better things. Like no offense to Brendan Allen, that's just the way it is. But I think if Uriah Hall knocks out Sean Strickland, say, then you could definitely make a case for making that rematch. I would also fear if 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 Hall loses and they try and make that fight. Like Brendan Lowndes, seventeenth in the rankings. Why isn't he fighting someone like a Shabazian or a, a Muniz? Like, I, I think like Shabazian is the other person he called out. He said Strickland or Shabazian. Um, Shabazian's a much smarter call out for Brendan Allen. Uh, you know, I just said how good his striking look, but we know his bread and butter is you know mauling people on the mat, and 
we've seen that Shabazian struggles with that. So, um, yeah, I think if I'm Brendan Allen, Shabazian is, you know, a, a prospect that people are still excited about, even though those couple of losses he's had and um, someone with a clear path to victory for, for Brendan Allen. I mean, if I was Brendan Allen, I'd be going even deeper. I'd be going, right, Andre Munoz, get, get me in there. The guy who literally just snaps. That'd be super fun as Jack well. Fab. Yeah. Like, the oh. exchanges on the mat, that would be super fun. Can you imagine the scrambles? Oh, my God. And the different the different submission. Oh, it would literally be a jiu-jitsu grappling match. <laughs> All right, you've, you've sold me. Brent, <laughs> Brent Allen, stop fucking calling out Shabazian and, and Strickland and call out Muniz. Um, yeah, there was a couple, a couple more impressive performances. Um, Nasruddin Imovov looked really good. Um, like I said, Mickey Gall looked good. And um, Shajari Again, Umanis looked good. But not, in, we, not in the way that we expected them to, though. With him above, yeah. I, I, well, it's like I said last week. I, I had question marks about his fight IQ because against Phil Hawes, he literally had the finish there, waiting yeah. for like Hawes was shook and gassed, and he went for a takedown, which was literally the worst decision I've ever seen. Um, but he just looked so fast in this fight against Heinis. He just like he looked ten speeds faster than him. Oh, he's still there. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, internet just died a little bit. <laughs> <I'm alive. laughs> um, what was I saying? What was the question? Fire away. The question was, how fucking good did Imovov look? Like, I was just saying oh, how fast he looked. Yeah, amazing. I think MMA, I just love MMA Factory and the work they're doing in Paris. I think it's kind of, uh, maybe it's the Cyril Garn effect, I don't know. We'll be talking about him in the coming weeks, of course. But the, the fighters that they're, they're developing and they're nurturing over at MMA Factory... They kind of don't care about losses. They kind of view them as like a, a learning curve, I feel like is the best way of describing it. Like Imovov lost his previous fight because he didn't stick to a game plan. As you alluded to before, we were even speaking on the podcast. Like he, yeah. he didn't he kind of threw it all out the window. Against Ian Heinish, it was almost the exact opposite. He stuck exactly to the, he piled on the pressure. Ian Heinish wilted under that pressure and he put him away. It was uh, it was almost a punch perfect performance, really. Even when Heinish like when it clinched or like tried to take him down or whatever, I didn't really feel like Imovov was in any danger. And if I'm being honest, I think Heinish needs to be kept. I, th- I think Heinish is like two fights away from getting cut. I really do. Yeah, I, it was a disappointing performance from his perspective for sure. Um, it looked like he just had no idea how to react to the pressure Imovov was putting on him. I think maybe he thought Imovov would be the one backing up, trying to keep distance with his jab. But, you know, Imovov was the one backing him up and all Heinz could do was land leg kicks. And and he did beat the fuck out of his leg, but um, Imovov showed no signs of, you know, he's got a good poker face, we'll say that, because he didn't check many of those leg kicks and he, and he looked fine. He just um, ate them. Yeah, it was like he was eating wheat bakes for breakfast. <laughs> walking forward. Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, he, I think he only checked like, three or four he ate so many and um and yeah it didn't like there wasn't even a limp or you could see the welts there like you could see the effects on his skin but you couldn't see them you know from him and his behavior um but yeah should we should we pick a a garbrandt game plan winner for the card we always like to pick someone who uh shows poor fight iq or um poor game planning and um of course that's called the garbrandt game plan so um my pick's pretty harsh but um i'll let you go first I'm going to go with Derek Minner, who I don't think we actually spoke about. But no, we didn't. We skipped with... over that. Right. I'm going to go with Derek Minner. 
I think your, your betting pick, I'm going to go with Derek Miller. I think the, gassing himself out in the first round, he just paid a price heavily. <laughs> That's exactly what we, what we said when we did our betting tips, wasn't it? We said, Miller's going to try and go for a first round sub and then die. <laughs> we were just hoping he would wait till the third round to do it. Um, but it was 60 seconds short of getting that round three, um, that round three win. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It was like, he, he must have known that's what Elkins was playing for and he did it anyway. <laughs> like, you, you know, you could see he was kind of the superior scrambler. So if he had just paced himself a little bit and not gone so gung-ho for the first round finish, then he probably could have won that fight. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like he was a ball of energy and thought, oh, I'm going for the, like a, fight, a, a performance of the night bonus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe the excitement of being on the main card as well got to him a little bit. I'm not sure, but I would have to assume that's the or first time. Or maybe he's been it was on a just UFC really crap cornering from James Krause. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my mine. I think we'll probably go with yours because mine's really harsh and it's really nitpicky um, because he did perform really well and we think he won the fight, as we said. But I've gone with Sanhagen just because purely because of the spinny shit. Because if I'm TJ Dillashaw, the one thing I want Sanhagen to do in that fight is give me chances to close the distance. And that's what all the spinning shit did. That's what the jumping knees did. That's what the spinning back fist did. Um, I think he landed a really good spinning back fist in the fifth round, but um, that's beside the point. TJ just ate it. So yeah, that was my pick. And like I say, it's harsh because he, you know, he did perform really well and probably won the fight, um, we think. But yeah, I just think he did the one thing that played exactly into what TJ needed to get him over the line and get the win. So um but I'm happy to I'm happy to go with your pick. I'm happy to go with Minna. I was gonna say, like a gentleman, that I was I, I'm completely in agreement with everything you've just said. I think Dil, I think Sandhagen won the fight, but lost the fight at the same time with all of his extravagant, flamboyant gestures and what have you. So, yeah, it was like he, he gave TJ the the path to victory. Um but yeah, I, I agree with, with Minna. Um we said he was gonna do that, um, but for him to actually go out there and do it. <laughs> Almost word for word on what we said, bar a minute later. Um, it's just bad yeah, game pretty, management. It was pretty poor. Like, and don't get me wrong, I don't think I don't think either of the fight. I don't. It sounds really harsh, but I don't think either of them are very good. I don't really rate either. Like, I saw. I think it was like Sean Sheehan from Severe MMA was like, "Oh, I love like uh, all these MMA hardcores. Like, oh, I love Derek Elkins for his toughness and stuff." And it's like, yeah, he's tough, but he also is just walking scar tissue. And you can't eat too many of those shots without like some form of repercussion. Do you know what I mean? I, well, I saw I saw a great suggestion for his fighting. next matchup on Twitter. Um, and and you're going to laugh because I can't go an episode without mentioning this guy. But I saw someone say if Darren Elkins wins one more fight, they could justify justifiably put him in there with Ilya Topuria and <laughs> and kill the man. Because <laughs> if you think about it, if he wins one more. He's, he'll be on a three-fight win streak, and because he's a, a well-known name to you know to at least to you know hardcore MMA fans, um, you know that that is that would be makeable in terms of you know on paper in terms of what it would actually look like in the octagon. Um, it would be sanctioned Love murder, buff. but yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be kind of curious to see if that ever even enters a consideration. I, I just something I saw on Twitter and thought was funny, and uh, and yeah, I needed to give my boy Tapuria a shout out. Um, You've encouraged murder twice on this podcast so far. <laughs> I want claret, mate. I want claret on the canvas. Um, we got a, we got a good main event coming up this weekend, and and that's about it. 
<laughs> the rest Sean, of it sucks. Sean Strickland versus Uriah Hall um, was a bit of a sketchy card to begin with. Uh, bad news that's come out in the last couple of days. Um, Chris Dorcas for Shamil Abdurakimov is off. Um, Abdurakimov pulled out, as far as I can tell. And uh, I think that's five fights in a row he's he's had cancelled from his side as well, or from his side. Um, yeah, I mean, Dorcas was calling for him to be swapped for them to swap places in the rankings i think fairer thing to do would just be to take abdurakimov out and move everyone up one and you know they've, they've done that with leon in the past when when he wasn't fighting so and that was that wasn't even his fault that was because of covid keeping him in the uk so i think honestly abdurakimov you know he's getting getting on uh on mine and, and fans and probably dana's last nerve as well um samal alvi and uh, roman kopilov is also off and what was the other one I just told you was off? Oh, Munir Lazez, which had been moved up which to the co-main and is a really fun prospect, is also out of this card. Um, so Nicholas Stoltzi is waiting on a, a short-term replacement. So, um, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about the main event. There's a couple other interesting fighters on the card, but it's it's really just main event or bust on this one unless we uh, we get one of those sleeper cards where the you know the kind of lesser known prospects really put on a show um both on a four fight win streak Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland obviously Strickland had that layoff was it a motorcycle crash he had and was and had all those bad injuries um yeah and has looked super good he's re- he came up to middleweight on the back of that and uh, and has looked really good I think he's three and oh at middleweight but um yeah I'm finding it really hard to split these guys because it's kind of like I wouldn't say Strickland's necessarily volume because he's one of those guys that never wastes anything, does he? He's, you know, he's always very technical and accurate, but um, he's more sort of concussive power and Uriah Hall's sort of more look to kill you with one shot. Yeah, the sniper, I suppose you could say. Um, so it is, yeah, it's it's a kind of interesting matchup of two different styles of strikers, but um, I'm finding it really hard to separate them, not going to lie. I think, like, I, I've seen some takes where they're like talking about his loss to Dos Santos as in Strickland's lost to Dos Santos in 2018. Yeah. But the, the guy who lost to Dos Santos in 2018 is not the guy who just fought Jocko or like stopped Brendan Allen. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. That, that like we just said about Brendan, that win against Brendan Allen looks 10 times better now because after that win, I was like, oh, Brendan Allen's chinny. So, you know, good win for Strickland. But the, the my main takeaway from that was Brendan Allen's chinny. Now, after Alan ate those shots from Soriano, I'm thinking, holy fuck, Strickland's good. Yeah, I, I think I think this is kind of like the, the thing that's about like uh, about this. Both both these guys are capable of being like top five. I feel, I feel like Uriah Hall is the nearly there man. He's all he's like he's always almost, but not quite. Something always happens. He ends up losing one of the big fights and then yeah. falls back down the rankings. It's Gonna sound crazy. Again, I don't see it going the distance. I think there's gonna be a finish. If I had to lean one way, I would say Straightland. Purely because Hall's just beating a washed up and I'm don't get me wrong, I love Anderson Silver, but the Anderson Silver of Fort Uriah Hall is not the Anderson Silver of the early to mid two thousands. Like yeah, or two thousand tens. Like and then he was a pick him on the odds with uh with Chris Weidman and we all know how that went. So um. Yeah, I think I'm probably leaning Strickland with you as well. Um, Uriah Hall's been knocked out a few times as well in his career. So, um, if Strickland if Strickland is uh, actually secretly really powerful based on the knockout of Allen, maybe then um then yeah, I could see Hall getting getting slept. But um, I don't know. I think it's more likely to go to a decision. And um, 
yeah, I'm finding it really hard to separate them. I think I would just just about lean Strickland. Um, there's a few other interesting prospects on the card, even though we said it's a bit of a weak card. There's some um, kind of lesser known guys that that you know casual fans might not know about, and will be uh, will know about them after this weekend, shall we say? Um, yeah, Ronnie Lawrence, Trevin, Trevin Jones. That's such a fun fight. To be fair, um, probably should be moved up to the main card based on how this card's falling apart. Ronnie Lawrence is like an uber prospect. If that makes it like, I feel like he's he's a guy that everyone on the, on the American MMA circuit has been crying like and raving about for ages. Mm-hmm. He looked like an absolute savage in his last fight. Yeah, he didn't Trevin, just win. He fucking mauled the guy. <laughs> Trevin Jones is also a bit of a like his rec- Again, what is it with MMA records? Like 13 and 6 is like a respectable record and everyone's like, oh, 6 lot. Anyway, sidetracking. Trevin Jones is also like a straight up killer. Like the... The guy is like, well, on a bit of a tear himself. For well, me, he's, could he's be finished a... his last four fights. He's on a four-fight win streak, all by finish, and I... that's including a knockout of Timor Valiev, which was made a no contest because of um, a positive weed test for Trevin Jones, which is just fucking stupid, as we know. So, um, yeah, I'm calling it a four-fight win streak, including a knockout over a very impressive Timor Valiev who just beat Rowney Barcelos. So, um yeah, this this I like it. This is like such a difficult one to call again. Um, it's it's your old adage of uh, two prospects paired up, isn't it? And also, I, I think like I feel like this could be the fight of the night. Is that too much of a reach? I know it's like early prelims or whatever, but what do you mean too much of a reach? There's nothing else on this card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you could say like you're right, who Sean Strickland, maybe that'll be fight of the night. Like, no, there's there's a few um, exciting fighters to be fair, but I agree, this is definitely one that I'm looking out for. Um, and much like the main event, I can't really pick between them. I think um, Lawrence is a slight favorite with the bookies, but um, certainly wouldn't count count out Trevin Jones. It's kind of weird, isn't it? How. I mean, I guess it's like curtain raiser, but it's kind of weird how that is. Or, oh, actually, I don't think it is the curtain raiser, is it? What is the curtain raiser? Uh, I don't know. I didn't write all the all the fights on the notes here. But it's um, weird how that is lower down on the card than like a Colin Anglin versus. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the name. But Melsick you know I mean? like, back Right, we'll go with that. <laughs> I think I did okay there. That made up for when I stumbled on Magomed Sharipov like 40 times. Um, yeah, two guys there coming off uh, Dana White Contender Series. So kind of, it's always hard to know, isn't it, when they come off Contender Series, how good they actually are because you never <laughs> really know how good the opponent was. Is it a Sean O'Malley or is it a Chase known. Hooper? <laughs> yeah, like you never really know what level the opponent was at unless they're an opponent who's fairly well-known and has been around a couple of organizations. Um, yeah, Colin Anglin looked really good. He, he, he was an underdog in his contender series fight. Um, back to Sarian. I think that was the card where everyone got a contract. There was like William Knight was on that card and Tucker Lutz was on that card. Um, it was just a crazy night of contender series where just everyone won dominantly and they gave everyone a contract. But yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, another fight I've picked out as, as possibly being a fight of the night. Like we say, it's a thin card, so any, anything could be really is uh, Danny Chavez and Kai Kamarka. As you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kai Kamarka because all his fights are insane. He never goes in there and has a boring fight. Um, Chavez's last fight was was slightly disappointing, but he's not going to have a boring fight with, with Kamarka. So, um, yeah, this is an interesting one. And also, Kamarka's on a two-fight skid. So, 
you know, I don't want to say this, he's fighting for his job here, but, you know, he's a young guy, he's like 25, 26. If you lose three in a row, they could look at it as, okay, well, you know, cut him. And if he comes back five years later, a much better fighter, then he can be in the UFC again. Um, so, you know, coming in as a short notice replacement, like I said, on a two fight skid, I, I can see Kamaka coming in here and going just batshit, to be honest, um, because that's typically how he fights anyway. Yeah, sounds good to me. I, again, it's one of those like, I feel like it could be a bit of a barn burner just because Chavez is kind of, again, a bit of a wild child. Well, this is the trouble with it. Like, when you're trying for people listening, this is kind of the trouble when you get these cars that fall apart because you then realize quickly that on a fight night, they don't really put like, there aren't really many bangers on here, is what I'm trying to say. Like, the fact that Shane Buys is, is literally third on the card says it all, really. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. She got absolutely mauled by Montserrat Ruiz, who I love, but isn't very good. Um, so how is she on the main card against DePaula, who's a new prospect herself as well and hasn't shown that much so far? I'll tell you what, actually. Uh, I, I may be crapping on the card, but Rani Yaya, I'm a massive fan of. Like, submission specialist is fun to watch. That could be a really fun fight against Kang Chung Ho. Yeah, like you know, we always say this. These cards where you look at and go, eh, there's no big names on it, they often have loads of bangers. Um, but I think it's more out of hope on this occasion <laughs> rather than being sure that any of these will actually be bangers. Um, Brian Barbarain is on the card, so that's the saving grace. His fight with Vicente Luque will always be one of my like top five fights in UFC history, just for pure entertainment. So um, yeah, if Brian Barbarain is on the card, then uh, then I'll watch it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's got one of the best names in the UFC as well, hasn't he? Right. Rolls off the tongue very nicely. That's all I've got to say, really. Honestly, I'm struggling for this card. It's really <laughs> hard to sell. <laughs> that's that's your hay fever hitting you as well, mate. Yeah. It's just, it, it, again, it's one of those cards where you're like, oh, yeah, I've got really, I'm going to get really gassed up for this. And then it's like, oh, no, hang on. There's like three fights that I actually care about. Which again sounds really harsh because I'm sure there are some. It's again, I'm sure it's like great for prospects. Like I'm sure Ronnie Lawrence will do something amazing, or maybe Trevor Jones will do something amazing, or Colin Anglin or something. I feel like that's the thing. It's kind of crying out for a prospect to kind of seize the moment. Yeah, that's a, that's stuff. a good thing about these these low key cards, isn't it? That if one of these young guys who not really that well known does go out and destroy someone and get a performance of the night bonus, then all of a sudden they'll be getting chucked onto like the prelims of a big pay per view, you know, and. Um, it's only up from there. So I don't know it's, it can, you know, hopefully they all go out there with that attitude and, you know, want to, want to prove a point and, and show everyone that this card is worth watching. Um, I think you wanted to give a shout out to one female fighter on the card, didn't you? Before we, uh, before we wrapped up. Did I? Yeah, oh you said, yes. You said I'm before you, you were, you were, dis- God, yes. you were absolutely raging that I hadn't, hadn't put this fight on the notes. Of course. Mate. Of course. Ashley Yoda versus Jin Yu Frey. Is that who she's fighting? Yeah. Um, Yes, big big fan of Ashley Oda. I think I, I just quite like her story actually. She's like I think she's like fighting for a brother and um, who passed away, and that's why she I, she trains with Dan Henderson. Really really nice. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that fight. I, I, I think she I think she can win because I don't really rate Jenny Frey at all. Yeah, um, I mean I haven't I haven't done the the betting research into this card yet because we're recording this earlier in the week than we usually do. But um, early instinct, I'll give you right now, Ashley Yoda by submission. Um, I don't think Ginny Frey is a very good grappler, and Yoda is and is very um, long and lanky. So um, 
yeah, I'll, I'll give you an early no research tip there, Yoda by submission. Shall, shall we wrap it up and, and pray to the MMA gods that no more fights will fall off apart. this card? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll be back next week being proved wrong after a bunch of bangers. 